0: Dominic Crossan. And if you're not familiar with him, he is formerly a Roman Catholic priest from Ireland. And uh, he is most notoriously associated with the Jesus seminars and trying to find the historical Jesus and prove that the historical Jesus is different from what uh, conservative biblical theologians might say. And so what you have when you follow John Dominic Crossan's line of thought is Jesus who is a peasant who died against Rome's tyranny but not in place of anyone or for their sins. And the problem with John Dominic Crossan's fault is you lose the gospel. When you lose the substitutionary atonement of Christ Jesus, you lose the gospel. And we should be those who are so captivated by what Christ has accomplished for us that we stand and we say with our mouths and with our lives, my heart has been won. My heart has been captured by another. My affection is set on Christ. There's nothing worse than a church that's cold in its affections to the one that has redeemed them, to the one that has paid the highest price. So the question then becomes, we understand that God's king and we confess our rebellion to his rule and we find that He is a merciful God who doesn't just let it go. He pays the bill Himself by putting our sin on His Son, Jesus. The question that remains is if we will be of the ilk of Isaiah, who then, once the sin was atoned for, said, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Will we be those that are fully yielded to Christ? One of the things that will help us not be in a cycle that we have to keep coming back to this. is not only that we acknowledge that we have a good king, but our good king has also given some very good words. I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. When the last two passages we'll look at are here in Nehemiah 8 and then Psalm 119. But we want to be of help. We want to be those who are completely yielded that would say yes Jesus, wherever you want me to go in Baton Rouge. Yes Jesus, wherever you want me to go in the world. Yes, Jesus, whatever you want me to say to my neighbor that is not in Christ. Yes, Jesus, whatever you want me to do in my workplace. Yes, Jesus, whatever you want. My life is fully yielded to you. Friends, if your life is not fully yielded to Christ, then you will suffer for that. We will be impacted by that. So we want to be those who are fully yielded. And a part of being yielded is to follow our good king's good words. And each person that I share the gospel with, and when I want to make sure they really grasp it, one of the things that I come back to is we're not just being dunked in a tank and we're not just responding. But what we're saying now with our life is that, Jesus, you're my king. And if he's my king, these are the words of the king. These are his words, and they should matter to us. Discipleship should not be accidental. It should be intentional. So one of the ways that we can keep from grieving God is by intimately knowing his word. Well, an interesting thing as you study the history of Israel is somehow God's word got lost in God's house. And they made a discovery as Ezra came back to rebuild the temple. They made a discovery of God's words. And they're like, well, where did these go? And it's amazing that that can happen. But friends, it, it can happen. We see some things even in our days. Be warned of guys such as Rob Bell. Rob Bell's a very charismatic preacher. And uh, his newest book coming out uh supports universalism. Everyone gets to go to heaven. There is no hell. So it's amazing how sometimes in God's places, God's book can be put to the side, friends. We want to be people who are not just of our good king, but of our good king's words and what he says. In in Nehemiah chapter 8, it says this in verse 1, And all the people gathered, all the people gathered, as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. And on the first day of the seventh month, and he read it, he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. Now, how come y'all haven't ever done that with me? Y'all haven't ever said, look, from daybreak to noon, let's just read the Bible, huh? All right, I want some emails about that. So, they wanted, in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. If there's anything a pastor prays for, it's this, right? Verse 5 says, Ezra opened the book inside of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. Why? Because it's not just a scroll. It's not just a leather-bound book. These are the words of our very good king. These are his very good words, and we stand and we say, speak to us. Speak to us. Feed us. Teach us from your word. Incredible respect that we see Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. You see, they weren't Baptists either. They lifted their hands. You see, <laughs> they were free to do that. They bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then you find out about these Levites. It says, Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatthai, Hadiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Paliah, the Levites. Look at what they did. They helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that people understood the reading. That's what expository preaching is, friends. It doesn't matter if you don't get it. It's not just about reading. It's about understanding and grasping. And so the Levites are doing this. Verse 9, Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe and Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go, go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they understood the words that were declared to them. You see, when they got the words, there was joy that came from them. But watch what happens the next day. On the second day, the heads of the fathers, the heads of fathers, houses of all the people with the priests and Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. Dads, there you are. These are the kinds of dads I pray for. The dads who gather the next day and say, I want to get the word because I've got to lead my family. You see, they didn't have many scrolls to take to their house. They didn't have a ton of Bibles that they could get at Lifeway. And so they gathered and they said, teach us from it so I can then go and teach it to my children. Who are you going to take these things to, friends? We don't just intake. It's that we may share with others and dads especially. How do we not end up in this cycle of rebellion to God, rebellion to God, rebellion to God? It's because we as dads help lead our home to say, here's the words of God. We're going to walk in them. We're going to walk in the words of God. These are the types of dads that I pray for. And then here's what happens. They discover something. Verse 14, they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it's written. Isn't it interesting? When they got in God's word, they discovered something they were doing was not what God desired. They discovered God had some very good instructions. So they had been practicing the festival of booths, but not in the way that God had prescribed. And it's interesting, they found what God wanted in his word. Isn't that shocking? Isn't that amazing? This is why this cannot lie dormant on our table between Sunday to Sunday. That's why it can't go like this and we be people of the word. We must be those who take it in because God has something he wants us to say. He thought it was so important, he made sure it was written down. He made sure over a period of 16 to 2,000 years, 40 authors to have it written down and preserve it for us that we might have it today. Well, it goes on to see this. Verse 16, So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who'd returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. Now watch this. From the days of Joshua, this is Joshua, it's spelled Joshua, but it's Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so and there was very great rejoicing. Friends, when we follow the good words of our good king, there's much joy. There's much joy. Could part of the reason be why we lack joy be because we lack obedience? Could part of the reasons be that many churches lack joys because the words of the great king have been put to the side? I want you to turn to Psalm 119. It's where we'll close in our teaching times and in our focus on scripture But if we're going to be those that are fully yielded to the Lord, then we want to be those that are intimately committed to his word. The words of the king will guide us on the path. This is what the spirit uses. You want to be deep with Jesus? There's no mystery to it. God's spirit uses God's word in our lives. He helps us know specific things, know what we should do or not do. In Psalm 119 verse 1, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Here's a prayer you want to pray. Verse 5, oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. That's a prayer you want to pray with your families, Dad, Mom. That's a prayer you want to pray That pray in our own life, that my ways would be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. And then he says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. That's the second prayer in this passage. Let me not wonder from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. As you journey back through the history of Israel, you'll find when they entered into disobedience, it was because they either forgot the word or they rejected the word of the good king. When we get in cycles of disobedience, the majority of the time it's because we're not walking In his good words. One of the best ways you can do that is be intentional to say, What does he want? And I'm going to do it. To be intentional about storing it in your heart so that when you're at Walmart, you don't have to pull your Bible out and be like, Well, what did God say about that? It's already here. We know what God says about it. So that it's stored up, that I don't sin against you. Will we be the people who are fully committed? Are we going to be the people that play games? If we're the people that play games, Let us not waste his time and our time. Let us be the people who understand what the substitutionary atonement of Christ means and the people who never get over it. But we are forever changed. And because we grasp he's our good king, we walk in his ways and in his word. And the word of Christ dwells richly in us. Colossians 3. There are enough people, friends, that the word dwells sparsely in, that the word dwells barely in. Let us be those that the word dwells Richly, richly, that we might be his people. We're going to sing two songs or one song, one song maybe, of being fully committed to Christ. And I want us to stand and sing this song, and we'll come back and we'll close out our service with uh, some community things and offering and announcements. But I want us to stand in acknowledgement of this to say, look, I want to follow Christ. I want to follow him completely and wholeheartedly. I want to walk in his ways. I want to be evident. Christ is my King.